Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler and this week we're back with a special episode recorded live from our last Thursday club event just last week. And it's a brilliant follow-up to the Trends episode we ran with Dan Calladine at the very end of last year. And Rasset once again trying to define what trends are going to be big in 2023. And all perfectly aligned with our own stab at the big, most significant things that will happen this year a report we're launching called IAB Compass, which delves into four emerged and emerging areas, AR and VR, connected TV, gaming and shoppable e-commerce advertising. Compass has been created in partnership with MTM and as well as giving you forecasts for future growth, there's a whole range of actionable recommendations for how to start advertising in each area. Compass will be available for IAB UK members via iabuk.com from the 7th of February. But back to last Thursday club where around the table I had Media Ocean's Director of Marketing for EMEA and APAC, Rachel Lyle, Adam Chug, the Seven Stars Head of Big Tech Activations and from OMD UK, their Chief Planning Officer and campaign's number one rated media planner for the second year running, Vicky Fox. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear about connected TV complexity, AI's arm wrestle with creativity, virtual influencers, gentle tech, consolidation, and loads more. Enjoy. Rachel, let's start with you. Your 2023, I guess, has been predicted through a big bit of research that you've done. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we did a piece of research at the end of last year, our 600 marketers across agencies and brands, what they were planning for this year few big things came out from that. One of the big things was around social Mm -hmm. and how they indicated that they would be increasing spending. So perhaps not all doom and gloom Mm -hmm. as we were expecting. Another example was that TV budgets were moving slightly towards CTV, but linear was not completely dead. Mm -hmm. Again, not all doom and gloom as expected. Social spending, Adam, that time with you, should we be expecting a flatten or a dip or it seems like a bit of a bounce back from what Rachel said? So possibly, but in the back end of last year, we actually saw social spending down. Mm. So that kind of backed up what Meta were seeing. They were seeing there was a, you know, an in- increase in people using the meta platforms, but essentially advertisers were pulling back, right? You've seen the compound effects of ATT. And advertisers perhaps not seeing the performance that they were used to seeing on the the platform. Exactly. Loss of data signals that enables effectively that effective ad delivery Mm. to to drive performance outcomes. So advertisers pulling back in that respect. I think Meta are reporting a decrease of 18% in CPM in the last quarter of last year. And obviously it impacted their revenues as, as well. I'd expect as more advertisers adopt the cookie-less tracking solutions like Conversions API and the other solutions that are provided by the other platforms as well, there might there'll be a bounce back of that sort. So I'm kind of predicting something towards flat there. We are also seeing advertisers increase spend in things like paid search, mm-hmm. for example, and I would expect that in tough economic yeah. times as advertisers pulling back on brand spend elements and social and focusing on direct response, paid search, bottom of the funnel yeah maybe we'll come on to that in a minute but the the social thing's really interesting for me because it you think from a planner's perspective i really care about what the audience does Mm. and i'm sort of it's like following the eyeballs a little bit but i think the way that they consume social has changed there's the way that gen z's the generations before them and their time span is shorter but they yet they have more platforms and 
TikTok has just obliterated everything we thought we knew about social. And then when you overlay that with the stretch of what we mean by social into sort of the gaming space, because mm. that is a very social space where people do interact yeah. as well as consuming video, as well as gaming it. I think the idea of social is, say, is one thing. Social, we think we knew about social channels has sort of changed, I think, this year beyond yeah. recognition. So I think it depends on definitions as anything. And we have to be really aware and we have to keep our eyes on like what the audience is doing and really get the cues from them to build plans that support and deliver against what they are doing right now it's probably a convenient slash lazy headline social bubbles burst i mean it doesn't feel like it's burst no, it it's just, just morphed into yeah. a different way and it's an interesting sort of take when you've got tiktok advertising don't make ads make tiktoks mm. and it's like right how are you defining yourself as a platform and so we need to really lean into what the audience thinks about advertising and content and that TikTok, the lines are blurred and it's really hard to yeah, yeah. sort of pull apart, you know, the type, amount of time people are spending watching advertising versus content on TikTok because it is just yeah. so blurred. But what we do know is they're spending a lot of time watching with that platform. So we need to understand how to integrate brands in an authentic way into that platform. Yeah. And speaking of time, the sort of the death of linear TV, much exaggerated as yeah. usual. I mean, it feels yeah. like a sort of annual thing now where we get it out and you yeah. know, RIP, but it's not quite that. You didn't see that in the research. Yeah, definitely. We saw that it's not the death of linear yeah. as such. It's, you know, just shifting where people put their budgets. Mm. They're moving slightly towards yeah. CTV. We keep hearing, Adam, there's sort of complexity on when you get into agency side in terms of who's buying it, who's planning it. There's some legacy TV people. There's probably some digital skill set. Then there's some sort of performance marketing skill set. Does it work at the seven stars? Yeah, so that is a challenge. And we've tried to address that by reshaping our activation team, essentially. So our whole activation team work on the same floor. And that includes TV planning, buying in with performance and programmatic mm. and SEO. We still have specialists in those areas that work together because it's a challenge in the fact that these people need a depth of knowledge in the yes. platforms in which they're mm. buying on. But increasingly from a planning perspective you need a holistic outlook that appreciates the fact that people will be consuming the advertising you activate on these platforms in a multitude of different ways of yeah. through, through the funnel one area where we've really cracked that is with tv in particular so they are av planning and buying specialists right and they plan and buy youtube for example, where it is of incremental reach to TV campaigns and other AV formats. What's interesting about that is that they might plan that, but then they'll work with a programmatic team who might buy that through a DSP, or they'll work with a PPC team right. who might be the Google Ads specialist and activate that through Google Ads. Yeah. And they'll also work with them to connect that brand awareness piece to maybe the performance formats, sharing audiences, etc. So it's a challenge because a lot of specialists need to collaborate a lot more than ever before. And the specialists also need kind of peripheral knowledge mm. of other platforms, but particularly user behavior and how consumers are consuming that media. It's a difficult one. And it's one that's, I think, is going to consistently evolve. I wonder if I remember it just through this sort of like sort of lovely rosy tinted thing. It used to be really easy. You just have you know, all the channels that you could buy, whether it was print or telly or and digital came along and people sort of were in their lane and you did your thing and planners worked like that. Yeah, so I wish. <laughs> I wish. Again, I think all agencies have faced into this challenge. Mm. We had a look when we came back from COVID, like all got together and was like, what does the future look like, the five-year future? And then how do we align ourselves into that world? And 
it's our job to simplify things for our clients, not mm. make it more complex for them to like access and or our media partners access us. So we brought together our media planning team alongside our, you know, what was called performance team, which is essentially biddable because we realised that, you know, auction trading is not going away and more and more channels are going to be auction based. So in a similar way, we've built this like, you know, superpower of connected performance. We really live by the fact that all channels should perform. We shouldn't be left to one silo of channels. It should be our performance channels, yeah. inverted commas. All channels should perform just on a different set of KPIs. Yeah. We really have to like believe in that mantra. And that's enabled us to think about the way that we look at briefs in a very different way, the way we speak to clients in a very different way, the way we think about funnels. As we said, like, you know, you tend to think about data as flowing down into, you know, the bottom of the funnel. And, and But actually, by joining those teams together, we the richness we get out of the, you know, the biddable experts on audiences that we can then pass back into the top of the funnel work has enabled us to make you know, really strong decisions and help our clients, you know, business grow on the yeah. back of that. So that's, yeah. it's not the perfect, we live in an imperfect world and, you know, and everything's changing, but and I think we have to, as agencies, remain as agile as we can. Yeah, humans unpredictably are quite imperfect as well and tend to do different things. We had very different two years ago and perhaps when... Did you get a sense in your research of, you know, whenever we have crisis, recession, global pandemic, there is always, it feels like this swing towards this bottom of the funnel performance, short term, sort of try and prove it out. Did any of that stuff come through? Yeah, it did. There was definitely a shift to the bottom of the funnel. And part of our advice within that was actually, please don't forget about the top of the funnel, Mm. the brand side. You're going to see damaging effects if you just completely focus too much on that bottom part yeah and it feels like we're probably preaching to the converted but the brilliant Bennett and Fields stuff we dust it off every <laughs> pandemic or recession, recession we say look yeah. hang yeah. on in there could you know don't reduce brand stuff yeah. I mean is there a sense that it's sort of human nature it's just it's easy to go to that place if I'm from in front of my CMO it's just it's easier to do the short-term metrics things to do the performance thing but it's easier, but it's inherently the wrong thing. I think I'm mm. going to quote Tess Alps by saying you've got to feed the cow to milk the cow. And long term, that's you need to protect your brand. And I also protect creativity in our beautiful industry. Mm. And I'll give you, I'll say one word, McDonald's and their Raise Your Arches campaign that came out two weeks ago. 95% brand recognition scores on an advert that you don't see a product or a restaurant. You don't, I mean, you only see the, at the end of the 60 seconds, you see the golden arches. So I think when, you know, when creativity is done well, it builds a brand and supports everything that happens below it. Mm. Because in isolation, driving people on last click, is not going to how you sustain a business, you know, anytime, let alone through a recessionary period. Yeah. I think we we all know that in this room and we all bang that drum consistently. And there is that, so there was a Forrester Trends report that was, saying, right, okay, there's this move towards bottom of the funnel advertising. Half of all CMOs will come from pure play performance background. I think that's a really depressing statistic mm. that kind of suggests that drum we keep banging, just it just doesn't resonate for some reason. But I think there's a massive opportunity now through automation and actually the loss of data signals and how attribution is becoming more difficult yeah. that will force brands into using more medium and long-term measurements solutions to validate what they're seeing in attribution. So things like geo-experimentation and econometrics, and that will hopefully make entire brand teams up to CMOs, CFOs, etc., realize some of the more medium long-term effects yeah. of branded advertising, whereas it's, you know, it's been historically very difficult mm-hmm. to try and prove that or gain the kind of traction or appetite yeah. from marketers to do that. 
when they've historically gone, here's my attribution report. This looks like it's delivering me an ROI. Just do that. Yeah. Uh, CFOs in particular, probably, you know, non-marketing, non-digital, often people, patients might not be a value they have. If it's, you know, the business is going to go to the wall in six months, they should start selling some stuff. I mean, we need some brave marketers with brave agencies to stop them going into that bit, I guess. We've talked about some more obvious things, social, connected TV. I'm interested in your take on weird and wonderful things that you've seen. You had a close eye on CES and some of the madness that was coming out of CES. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think a lot of people default to CES, but I think one place we should look is China. There's a lot of trends that come from China that are tried and tested there. Like I can think of QR codes, social commerce, mobile first. I mean, the list could go on live streams. Streaming. One thing that's a really big trend there at the moment is virtual influencers. They're a marketer's dream. You can control the environment. There's no scandals. It's perfect, right? I don't know if it will look exactly the same or have the same flavor because, you know, even when you look at QR codes, they're very different in China to how they are here. So I don't know how exactly that would look, but yeah, potentially something that we could see more of. No skeletons in a closet of a (laughs) virtual influencer. Presses me a little bit. You know, we just touched on creativity, but this idea that perhaps we, you know, we can ask chat GPT. I'm sort of looking at Jesse who writes all of our brilliant copy at the IV just detests chat GPT and the idea that it can do the amazing creative things she can do is a slightly, we're all going to be embracing this stuff, but there is a, it shouldn't just replace all that stuff. It couldn't, we were talking, it couldn't create that McDonald's ad. It could not. Because it can create stuff based on rules and best practice and all the rest of it. And this bucks the trend. Pictures of burgers. Otherwise that would be, precisely you know, see the same ad again and again. I want to talk about gentle tech. Mm. Lots, um, of, lots of nods in. I'm feeling lots of warm nods in. Yeah, yeah, we know gentle tech. This is an incredible trend that I've seen talked about for this year is that antithesis to the, you know, the end of COVID. Everyone needs this warm hug of innovation that the future of marketing is kindness. Isn't this nice? And it's building <laughs> tech to support our mental well-being. It's building tech to you know, give children audiobooks. The Tony Box is a great example of it that aren't screen-based that they can interact with. But the tech is absolutely brilliant and it's baked into the heart of it. But it is using tech to make our lives better. And you can see that, you know, International Women's Day is coming up. And, you know, last year, all I saw was the Twitter pay gap bot mm-hmm. just replaying, you know, and that was one way of the industry's turning on itself to say, this is wrong. We need to do something. The industry, us as marketing people, we need to be more, you know, diverse. We need to champion belonging and recognize everyone's mental health and not just our own, but like what we do, what we put into the world. So I want to make a play for 2023 to be all about gentle tech. And are we talking about the sort of the We Are Eights and the Good Loops and that those yes, sorts of businesses? There are brands out there that, you know, whether or not they've got it right, quite right now, the authenticity and where that's coming from about being, you know, whether it's good for the planet or, you know, really authentic, diverse voice that are being heard you know that's I think you know the industry that you know is tough and I think sometimes Mm. there needs to be that Mm. balance and we need to seek the goodness in what we do and share that and be that goodness I'd love to see that happen Obviously, there's a you lot. You didn't of... have gentle tech as well, did you? Was your no, I didn't have gentle tech, and actually, I don't have a prediction that's outlandish. I'm, I'm kind of like, well, uh, yeah, I know. I'm going to support the status quo. And one thing in terms of like coming up without, you know, predictions is that I, 
come back to the analogy of the dart throwing chimpanzee <laughs> is that it's probably going to be just as accurate as I am as predicting something that yeah. 12 months or two years down the line. Yeah. Live link. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to see that gentle tech thing happen. I think the challenge, and obviously there's been lots of press around how social media has made us more divisive as a society, etc. I think the challenge within that is like lots of people might distrust big tech platforms because they read that press and their own experience with it but they still consume it and the platforms themselves they have developed them and the ais to captivate people's attention so i just wonder whether people don't might think they want gentle attack but do they actually want gentle attack or will they just go back to facebook instagram tiktok <laughs> etc and do that thing that is compulsive to them i don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but i think it would be quite difficult to dismantle the dominance of those platforms when there's so much heavy investment in their engineering and their AIs to keep attention. I'll give you an example of when we've really invested to make a difference. So we've built a research project called Real Britain Series. And the first was last summer, focus on disability. It was incredible. I was presenting and I had someone signing next to me, which mm. is quite an incredible uplifting experience for that to be part of the presentation. It was very inclusive. And South Eastern Railways client was listening to the whole presentation was so inspired by the stories and, you know, the insights that we talked about. She went back and made sure that they created content that not only had visible and invisible disabilities sort of featured in it, but she's gone back in the business and looked at, you know, as a railway network, what they can do to make, you know, their whole business and how people interact and how, you know, how unhelpful some things as part of, you know, getting on a train is. And so thinking all the way through the business, including the advertising, but all the way through. So that's part of like the gentle part of us yeah. as a business. Sometimes you can do some work and you you know that it's literally made a difference mm -hmm. to people. And that, I sort of hold that true and I go, I know it's hard, but if we've got to champion and keep pushing on that door to make our industry better. Yeah. If anyone saw the snap up front last week before, it was signed, subtitled, and it, you know, really sort of made you think it's such a simple thing to do, but sort of, you know, so so effective. It feels like those things have become like table stakes almost, the sort Ooh. of accessibility thing perhaps. We've we got any questions in the room? We've got a question here. Daniel from Zenith. Oh, it's actually a question for Adam. You mentioned that you're worried about CMOs coming from performance marketing backgrounds. But I would question that is surely it's better for the industry to have people that maybe come from a more accountable background in those roles because even from a brand perspective accountability is going to be a big thing all the measurement you want to put across the funnel is positive whereas maybe i'd question 20 years ago when cmos weren't coming from that mm. background accountability was not a concern for them because of the lack of measurement I yeah. Just what you think. No, I think that's a really interesting point. I'll probably do a little bit of backtracking there around that, being worried about that. <laughs> we'll I think it, it out. Yeah. yeah. I think it can be a good thing, right? What my worry would be is that, okay, if that's happening, will there be a, just a tendency to more bottom of the funnel marketing? I think if that skill set is used to good effect to bring more accountability across the media plan or a greater focus on that, then brilliant. But I think that's, you know, that's our continued job as agency partners, for example, to work with brands in order to make sure that happens you know it could end up being a good thing if you know that level of accountability is brought across a plan i think we need to be cognizant of the impacts advertising can have that's not immediately measurable even in the mm. medium to long term those compound brand building effects 
that essentially are more difficult for even CMOs to sell into CFOs, essentially, is that what you've got to do, that's always going to be a challenge. But from a performance perspective, that background, that experience in A-B testing and maybe geo-testing, bringing that further up the funnel, yeah, that could be really valuable to everybody. What's going to happen to all our rock star CMOs like Fernando who was at Burger King, you know, doing, you know, mouldy whoppers and stuff like that? You have to comp- There's a very good course on the IB site, actually, around performance marketing. That perhaps you could do that, get more performance marketing. Question at the front there, Alexandros. Um, yeah, was there a trend from last year that surprised you? Oh, that great. Started? Trend from last year that surprised you? Do you know what? I'm going to say something really boring, and that's how more transparent the programmatic ecosystem has got. So I was just thinking about the PwC report that was released recently looking at how much media spend was actually going on media and how that's increased by about 30%, I think it was, since the last time Delta's I did that. Well, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that unknown delta, I think, is reduced to about 3%, which is absolutely fantastic. It somewhat surprised me because I thought that was going to be a real big you know, uphill battle to make any movement. Oh, you thought so that's you, like, rather than because you wouldn't narrow it I, Yeah, I thought it would mm. take longer because I, you know, that's a very complicated space. There's a lot of variables that go into why there was that unknown data yeah. and I guess commercial models wrapped up in that. So that's really heartening to see. I'm going to make a quick plug for the seven stars and say that we <laughs> we have a product there where we actually focus on that in particular and where we target like 80p out of every pound basically going mm. on to, to media in that programmatic space. So I think that's, you know, we bang the drum for transparency yeah, since we first launched, right? So I think that's incredibly important. Mm. And I was actually surprised to see such... <clears throat> traction there over the last year yeah a lot of it's not was, background there. you're probably hoping for an interesting consumer well i think that's a trend that emerged but yeah, yeah you give me time to think about it <laughs> <laughs> well i touched on it before i think gaming and the way it's become just a channel it's mm. just it, you can't even talk about it as uh, you know as a thing you might do as part of the plans that's like if you're targeting young audiences this you know we can see the stats that they you know mm, big chunks of the day that takes over any other channel consumption, you know, in different forms. So you've got to be in that sphere, understanding those audiences. And I think in the last year, that's really taken off and got scale. And obviously Twitch helps and they're obviously their new ownership, but all of the different aspects. And I've got two teenagers in the house, so that's why I'm probably (laughs) more aware of it than ever. But yes, gaming. Yeah, I think retail media was something Mm. that people weren't talking about that much this time last year which was something that has been a hot topic yeah. for 2022 and will continue until yeah. this year yeah not mentioned in mentioned comes massive bet for us Rita media very good question uh, any other questions probably got time for one more and then you can go and talk about your drinks i've got daniel on standby who yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna go to paul and then maybe it's daniel for your second lots of been spoken about last year about climate change the impact on the composition of media plans what do you see that do you see that accelerating this year yeah, I think it's going to be something that's going to become more and more of a priority and not even a priority, it's going to be a necessity. Everyone's going to have to justify their sustainability and carbon footprint and all of that. I think that's, yeah, going to be a big thing this year. What about carbon calculators? I mean, there's lots of tools out there that, that are helping. Good things, too, too many of them? Do we need alignment? Do we need? I think you have to balance everything because you're ending up going to optimize to your attention carbon calculators reach rois which campaign are we running today i want diverse audiences recognized i want i want to make sure that we've achieved the right reach in the right plate so the job of 
planners is harder than ever to sort of weave all those stories together and it requires those CMOs from whatever background to support the decisioning that we make but the fact that we have all that information on our hands is better than we were two years ago where we had you know we did just weren't aware so we can at least try and make the right decisions and at least understand the impact of the decision so we go right okay your reach will come down but your carbon footprint will be less or whatever, you know, and then you can have a conversation, an informed conversation with a client about the direction of the plan. So more information, more data helps us do our jobs better. That brilliant sort of, I I want it quickly, I want it cheap (laughs) and I want it the best. It's like, we can't have all three, we can only have two. Maybe there's like a bigger (laughs) metrics thing on that. Yeah, I think Vicky's absolutely right. I think at least we're talking about all these things, right? And the best thing you can do is keep eye on those things, use the carbon calculator and, you know, talk to your clients about all of these options and the impact that they will have and that's going to have a positive effect in it in and of ourselves like you said before we weren't considering these things right we weren't necessarily considering the environmental or ethical impact of of plans we re-looked at our brand safety rules in the agency for example and making sure that you know we're not damaging inadvertently to diverse media etc and yeah a number of you know a few years ago we wouldn't even considered that you know it's a good thing that we've got all these additional measures at our disposal now want to get your virtual influences on the plan no problem. yeah yeah <laughs> no worries no, no, no skeletons in there let's put it that way i think we're going to pause there you can all get a drink and continue chatting just before we go though it would be remiss of me not to ask you for some sort of prediction for this year's but in a different way perhaps if it's going to be the year of something as it always is we like this what will it be the year of i'm going to be very boring again you've already been say yeah i know i could have done, i'm gonna do it again but at least next year i might not be so wrong we're not having you back next year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mullets are making a comeback <laughs> the year of consolidation i think so i think as increasingly as more and more media becomes automated and connected mm. ad tech driven brands will be looking to use fewer media partners i think to benefit from uh, okay. the connection across channels rather than diversifying having multiple media agencies as different specialists right although i would say that's my hope anyway <laughs> year of oh if i can't have gentle tech or gaming because i've already mentioned those <laughs> that's really annoying um full funnel marketing I think we now have enough information and the way that we're looking at plans and setting up our teams and the way that clients are giving us the right types of briefs that have, you know, the brand and performance connected. This is when we can deliver on that promise. Yeah, very nice. A final sort of Jerry Springer final word is with you, Rachel, (laughs) as was the first. Yeah, I think that with chat gpt and other ai and automation tools we're really going to see this year like how that actually impacts the workplace day to day so are there elements that we can send the legwork to chat gpt and are other things that we really need to focus on that require creativity a personal touch and things like that i think we're going to figure that out this year what we automate and what we require a human touch for nice that would be good wouldn't it there's so much sort of ai stuff coming out there Thank you all very much. Would you give a big hand to Rachel, to Adam, and uh, thank you very much for coming to the last Thursday Club. Thank you. Rachel Lyle from MediaOcean, the seven stars Adam Chug, and Vicky Fox from OMD there. The Last Thursday Club seems to be becoming a jewel in the coveted IBUK events crown, and that really is credit to how good the guests are. 20 minutes genuinely is never long enough to cover everything, and 
well I could anyway go on for so much longer but I think it's probably just about the right length of time for everyone stood up listening and probably just about the right amount of time for you listening wherever you listen as well a massive thank you to Rachel Adam and Vicky I mean, her take on gentle tech is just such a brilliant one when you think it through. Don't forget, you can pick up IB Compass, aka your essential manual to understanding the future of connected TV, AR and VR gaming, and shoppable commerce advertising on IABUK.com from the 7th of February. You can also access the Media Ocean research that Rachel mentioned via our member hub. We'll put a link in the show notes. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for coming back again and again if you know friends colleagues clients who love the pod as much as you do tell them implore them to download and listen the bigger the pod gets the better the episodes become thanks so much for listening iab uk building a sustainable future for digital advertising